3 verse 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Now, I'm born and raised in a city uh, in Manchester in England, and I've never lived in the countryside. But even I know that sheep are just daft, aren't they? You know, left to their own devices, they pretty much follow one instruction, eat grass, and that's it. And they'll wander off willy-nilly in pursuit of that one goal, eat grass, without any regard to if it's the best thing to do. And the Bible says that's what we're all like. I mean, I remember as a kid on holiday, um, a, there were some clifftop rocks uh, opposite the caravan, and a sheep got stuck up there. It must have been, it couldn't get, go backwards or go forwards. It bleated and bleated until one day it wasn't there and it's quiet. And my mum told me that it had escaped, but I'm pretty sure it had just died and fallen off. And that sheep had looked for life in all the wrong places and lost it. And we all are like sheep who have gone astray. We've all got our things that we pursue single-mindedly. We all go looking for life in the wrong places. And just to illustrate that, we've, we've all behaved in ways like those at the trial that we just read, heard read. The, the trial in chapter 23. The worst of humanity on show, really. There's a mixed bag of people with their own agendas and priorities who between them conspire to have a convicted murderer go free and have an innocent man sent to his death. So who have we got? Well, we've got Pontius Pilate. So he's the pagan Roman governor, the man in, in real power. And I think Pilate is like many people when it comes to their stand on Jesus. He's not against Jesus. He thinks he's an all right bloke. In fact, he declares him innocent, not once, but three times. So why doesn't he make a stand for Jesus based on who he thinks he is? Well, it's because other interests take over. Dealing with the here and now, the pressures of life, muddies the waters of life and death decisions. Dealing with the here and now pressures of life muddies the waters of life and death decisions. See, if trouble broke out, uh, Pilate's bosses in Rome would be down on him like a ton of bricks. So he does whatever it takes just to keep things ticking over, keep the peace, including rejecting Jesus. So is that you? Do you know who Jesus is, but you won't give him your life because it all seems too hard? Or maybe you have an inkling that Jesus might just be the real deal worth looking into but the pressures of life take over and muddy the waters and before you know it you've moved on to the next thing there is a cost to following Jesus even suffering involved in following Jesus but he is the only one who can bring you true lasting peace the kind of compromised temporary peace that Pilate saw in the end is no peace at all And if your waters have been muddied, isn't Easter the perfect time to stop, to stop and think, to pay attention to Jesus, to get to know him, look into him? Because nobody will ever love you more and completely than Jesus. And nobody 
else can bring you peace with God like Jesus? Do you really want to pass up the opportunity to know him? So that's Pilate. Who else have we got? Herod. Herod's kind of the local puppet sort of leader. Herod, he treats Jesus like he's just the latest thing trending on social media. You know, in verse 8, he's heard that Jesus has performed miracles and he wants him to perform some more as a sign. So Herod's heard the facts about Jesus, but he hasn't grasped their significance. He seems to just want to try Jesus on for size, and when he finds Jesus doesn't fit into the mold that he wanted him to, he just ridicules him, putting a royal robe on him. And that's another way we can end up turning to our own way. Allocate Jesus only sort of this little space in our life into which he's welcome but only if he fits into what we think he should be. And when he doesn't, we either reject him or we just relegate him to the background, like that old, that old top you've got in the back of your wardrobe. Occasionally looked on with affection. You'll never wear it again, but you can't bring yourself to throw it out. Or perhaps, like Herod, you're still looking for a sign. You're waiting for God to speak to you in a spectacular way or on your terms before you'll give him a go? Well, I want to suggest the sign that you're waiting for, the ultimate experience of God speaking to you personally, is this Jesus and this very Easter story that we're looking at. God speaks to us through his word. And what Herod and what we need to recognize is that Jesus whether or not we believe in him, is the king of kings, the one through whom and for whom all things were made. Um, there's a, just before the first reading in Isaiah 52, it says, he will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted, but further on, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. Jesus is the king. So we've got Pilate, we've got Herod. And what about those chief priests and religious leaders uh, who plotted this whole trial to get Jesus killed? Well, they're obsessed with keeping the law, following the rules, being the good guys. But they've been got so tied up in being the good guy, ticking all the boxes, that they lost sight of the God who gave them the law to help them love him and love people. And instead, they've made it all about clinging on to power and influence. They've taken a good thing and they've used it to go their own way. And most of us are trying to do good, godly things like making an honest living, raising a family, studying hard. But if we put those things in God's place, make them our ultimate things, the point of our life, well, that's going astray. That's going our own way and rejecting God. And this going our own way, the Bible calls it sin, seems like freedom at first, I'm doing my own thing, but in the long run it enslaves us. And we see hints of that around us in the consequences of, of sin. So dreading going back to work after this long weekend because it's a toxic environment, the fears and insecurities that plague us, selfishness, broken relationships, 
I mean, we find ourselves failing even our own standards, don't we? Let alone anyone else's. And all of that is rooted in us going our own way. We've all failed to love God as we should. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. And God knows we'll only find true peace in right relationship with him. That's why he gave his son Jesus to suffer and die in our place, to make the way clear for relationship with him. So that's sheep. Uh, Now comes silence. What about Jesus? What does he have to say for himself in this trial? Verse 9, Jesus gave him no answer. And Luke shows us that Jesus is like the suffering servant from Isaiah 53. So Isaiah 53, verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. But why was he silent? Why did he not speak up for himself? I mean, Luke's shown us throughout his gospel that Jesus has got incredible power. You know, power to heal, cast out demons, walk on water, feed thousands of people from almost nothing, uh, even bring the dead back to life. So Jesus can't be going along with this because he's being forced to. He must be there because he intends to be there. Verse 6, we all like sheep, of chapter Isaiah 53, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, Jesus' silence wasn't a defeated, enforced silence. Jesus purposefully, willingly, went, on, went to his death on a Roman cross to take on himself all we ever have or all we ever will do wrong. Imagine uh, last night you've had a dream that you're in a you're skydiving and you've had a skydiving accident and you die. Okay? You had this and you're pretty convinced it's a premonition that that's how you're going to meet your maker. Well, what would you do with that? Well, one thing you'd never do is go skydiving, isn't it? But Jesus makes it really clear he knows what's coming. He told his disciples three times that he must be betrayed and suffer and die. And yet deliberately heads to Jerusalem, knowing where it would lead him. Even helping to make it happen. Because Jesus knew that to deal with the cause of death, to deal with sin once and for all, he would have to deliberately go through death himself. And not just any old death. The crowds that shout, crucify him, crucify him, don't just want him executed. They want him humiliated, tortured, and killed publicly as only the worst of the worst are killed. Why go through with that? Why stay silent? Isaiah 53 verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus gives us the peace of right relationship with God. 
by dealing with the sin that makes us enemies of God. Jesus willingly took our punishment to broker that peace with God so that God can both forgive us and deal justly and rightly with our sin paid for on the cross. So Jesus is the only man in history who has completely obeyed God and he chose to stay silent and suffer and die for our disobedience because he knew doing so would bring us peace. And his wounds would heal us. So we've had sheep. We've all gone astray. We've had silence. Jesus' purposeful silence. To come to our rescue. And now we come to a surprise. A surprising response that comes from a criminal. On the cross next to Jesus. So Luke twenty-three thirty-nine. One of the criminals who hung there. Hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We're punished justly, for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. That criminal had absolutely nothing to offer Jesus except his trust. He couldn't go and make amends for himself. He couldn't go and prove himself. And yet Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. And that promise is there for you too. The choices are pretty simple. You can be against Jesus like the first criminal. Or you can trust him with your life like the second one. Jesus has done everything for you, everything you need to have peace with God. And it's because of that peace that we can go on to live well for God. The only thing you need to do to be saved is to cry out to God like that criminal did. Trust in Jesus with your life and the assurance given by Jesus on the cross is yours. And you have his promise that when you die, you will be with him in paradise. You can leave here today, this morning, with absolute certainty that you have what you were made for. Peace with God. So if you want to respond to Jesus right now, or recommit, or just clear that muddied water, I'm going to say a prayer. The words will be on the screen there, so there's no surprises. They're not magic words or anything. They're just, I've just carefully put them together to help us think through what we've looked at and to respond. So let's pray. Lord God, I admit that like a sheep, I've gone astray. I failed to love you as I should and loved other things more than you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me and help me to live for you. Thank you for Jesus taking the punishment for my sins on the cross. I cry out to you, trusting in Jesus to save me. I belong to you.
Amen.